WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Moss portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. I think this gives us, in principle, some insight as to why people laugh at Jesus today, why they make such a mockery of the gospel and of Christians. Our culture has been conditioned that way, especially by the media. That was the voice of pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff, who is teaching us from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today on Verse by Verse, we will be airing the conclusion of a two-part message, part of a series of messages about the reasons people reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep a marker there in Mark 15 and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's think about why it seems that people have such a hard time grasping a message as simple as the good news of salvation through faith in Christ. Here's Pastor Steve. Now watch this, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There are some people who cannot see. And he explains in verse 4. In whose case the God of this world, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What he's saying is this, while the gospel message is very clear in in its focus on Jesus Christ and who he is, And Paul said, we didn't adulterate it, we didn't peddle it, we taught it in truth. Unbelieving people can't see it. They can't see it. Why? Because when they chose to reject the truth, Satan then blinded them to the truth so that they don't see it now. They chose to reject it, and Satan comes in and blinds them to the truth. And that is the plight of humanity. Humanity is blinded to the truth of the gospel. I I suppose my first encounter with this, and I didn't know any better then, was uh, shortly after I came to know Christ, I returned home from the uh, University of South Florida, and uh, I was a little concerned about telling my parents that I had become a Christian, but I thought, my brother will certainly embrace Jesus, because my brother could relate to some of these struggles, and I know the, the struggles that he's gone through, and there are some real similarities with us. And when I, all I have to do is tell him what I've discovered, and uh, he wants to be happy, and he wants to be joyful, and so I'll just tell him about Jesus, and he'll thank me and say, it's wonderful, I've been waiting for this all of my life. And that wasn't the response. Far from it. He didn't receive Christ. He still hasn't received Christ. He wasn't interested in it. He was annoyed by it. You know why? Blind ignorance. I thought all you had to do was tell somebody who was down about Jesus and they would receive him. Sort of like somebody who's starving saying, here's some food. I thought, who in their right mind would reject food if they're starving? But that's the way it is with unbelievers because they are blind in ignorance. The reason why so many people today mock the gospel is because they're they're just blind. They don't know any better. They don't see the truth, just like the Roman soldiers, they don't realize that Jesus really is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, and the owner of the universe. And if they knew this, things would be different. But they don't, and they don't want to. This is why you can witness to people, bright people, 
People who, who are extremely intelligent people, and yet they don't get it. So they don't want to get it. They don't understand because they are spiritually blind. And I'll tell you what, they want to stay blind. They want to stay blind. How do I know that? Because John chapter 3, you don't need to turn there. Let me just read it to you. Verse 19 and 20 say this. Jesus said, and this is the judgment that the light is come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and he is the light and does not come into the light lest his deeds should be exposed. They aren't interested in coming into the light. You know why? Because when you come into the light, everything gets exposed. And they are quite content to stay in their lifestyle of unbelief and evil deeds. They don't want their deeds exposed. In man's depravity, he is an ignorant, blinded rebel against God Almighty. And that explains why you can witness and witness and witness and people just don't want to hear. So what should we do about this? What do we do? Well, you pray. You ask the Lord to open people's hearts because that's the only way someone's going to come to know Christ. And you continue at appropriate times to share the gospel with someone. I don't say beat them over the head. I say at appropriate times. And you'll know when it's appropriate because the Spirit of God, if you're walking with him, will make, it, make you aware of that. But I want you to see Romans chapter 3. I want you to see what humanity is really like. I want you to see how good people really are, and I say that sarcastically, they're not good. We are not good in our, in our essence. Romans chapter 3, and I want you to see why salvation is a sovereign work of God's grace. It, isn't, it doesn't depend on how clever you are in sharing the gospel. It depends on the sovereignty of God in opening someone's heart. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18, is, is Paul's summation of mankind. What he has done in Romans 1, 2, and 3 is put the world on... On, uh, in, a, in a courtroom scene, he's put the, the world on trial and he has proven that each area, the Gentile world, the Jewish world, the sophisticated world, the pagan world, they've all sinned. And now he sums up everything, beginning at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks, meaning Gentile Greeks, are all under sin. Everybody. Everybody. As it is written, now here's mankind's description. There is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside, therefore they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. Their uh, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the, and the path of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the condition of everybody in this room. And everybody, unless you've been touched by Jesus Christ, and everybody in the world. And if God saved us, who were like this, then he can save anybody. But it takes the sovereign work of the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said in John six forty four, he said, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. No one. I don't understand that. I, I can't comprehend that. But Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father draw him. And then he said, all who come to me, all who the Father gives me will come to me, and I'll never let any get away. Salvation is the work of God. 
No matter how great you are at witnessing and how bold you are, it doesn't mean anything unless God opens someone's heart. It's a supernatural drawing to Christ. So the first reason the soldiers rejected Jesus was that they were blind and ignorant. Blind ignorance. And the people, some of the people you deal with have the same problem. They may not even believe in a personal Satan. They probably don't believe in a personal Satan. But they're still blinded by him. And you need to understand that. And that's why we pray and that's why we use the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and it is only prayer as God responds to that that will open anybody's heart. So it doesn't depend on you. It depends on the spirit of God. There's a second reason that these Roman soldiers treated Christ so sadistically is they were conditioned to mistreat Christ. There was a conditioning process that went on. You see, Roman soldiers, think about this, these were not your ordinary citizens of Rome. These were men of war. These were men of bloodshed. And seeing humans tortured were things that were common to them. They didn't get sick at the sight of blood. They were used to this kind of stuff. These soldiers were men of battle. They had witnessed the shedding of blood many, many, many times. It did not turn their stomach. In fact, they found a, a slight delight in it. Not, not more than slight, they found delight in it. And in addition to the battles, keep in mind that the, one of the main sports of Rome were the, were the gladiators. They'd see the gladiators tear each other apart. And they clapped. Sort of like boxing today, isn't it? And they clapped. It was entertainment to see somebody hurt. Only then they killed someone on purpose. So it isn't real surprising that this band of soldiers would gloat over the sufferings of Jesus Christ and turn his pain into, into brutal shame and mockery. These were men used to, to human suffering. And it served as their entertainment. These men were calloused to the pain and feelings of another human being. They were conditioned to act like this. They enjoyed what they did as, as schoolboys enjoy terrorizing and torturing an animal. They played with Jesus like a cat would play with a mouse. And there was no tinge of, of guilt upon their conscience. They were conditioned. And I think this gives us, in principle, some insight as to why people laugh at Jesus today and why they make such a mockery of the gospel and of Christians. Our culture has been conditioned that way, especially by the media. I said this a few weeks ago, but I'll, I'll touch on it again. There's a conditioning process that takes place, especially through the media. We are pictured as narrow-minded, bigoted, intolerant people. You will rarely, I have, I have not seen anything on television like this, you will rarely, if ever, see any normal Christian family on television. When they do show a family that uh, at least takes the name of Christ, they're, they're the weirdest family on the block. They're some strange people. They're prejudiced, they're bigoted, they're narrow-minded, they're hypocritical, and the media portrays this, this is Christianity. You never see a normal family that love each other and, and uh, they go to church. Not, not anymore. Not since Father Knows Best went off the air. And even there, you don't see them talk about genuine salvation. And you know, it's interesting to me, when the media does focus on, on something concerning Christianity uh, in some type of documentary, whether it's primetime or 60 Minutes or 2020, they focus on some, some crooked televangelist. 
They don't, they don't do a spot on, on uh, a Christian leader who's a man of integrity, an honest man, a man who loves his family, a man who's fair, a man who's sane, a man who's balanced. Why don't they do that? Because that doesn't sell. So there's a conditioning process that is going on. You need to be aware of that. That when people turn and mock Jesus and you say, what is there to laugh about Jesus and Christianity? Understand that they have, they have sat in front of that television or read magazines or, or heard things on, on the radio or whatever. And they have been conditioned. You see, if you're exposed to, to distortions about Christ, there's a conditioning process that takes place. And you become captive to the way the world views Christ. The solution is this, if you're caught in that, and, and, and even believers get caught up in that, and they, they become conditioned themselves, and they become intimidated. The solution is this, think for yourself. Be critical whenever you watch something, and ask yourself, is that true? Is that right? Evaluate it in light of the scriptures, and open your Bible, and think for yourself. Paul said, do not be conformed to this world. So be careful of what you hear. It's not necessarily true. But if that's all you hear and you're not critical and you're not, you're not looking and evaluating and asking, is this true, is this right? Uh, after a while, you're swept up in it because the television will make you laugh, even laugh at, at horrible things. And, uh, and the media will become so persuasive because they are so slick. And they'll throw in a little music here and they'll have some jokes. And before you know it, it's ingrained in you and it's error. It's just plain error. That's not the way Christianity really is. That's the way some fringe extremists may be, granted, but that's not genuine Christianity. So some people reject, and they they don't even know why. But don't let somebody else do your thinking for you. For 18 years of my life, I was conditioned to reject Christ, and I couldn't even tell you why. Don't let your family, your friends, your teachers condition you. Think for yourself. And when I say that, I mean evaluated in light of the Word of God. So the first reason is blind ignorance. That's why some people reject Jesus. The second reason is they are conditioned to reject Jesus. There's a conditioning process that goes on. There's a third reason I see, and that is plain prejudice. There were anti-Jewish feelings that these Roman soldiers had. You see, the charge against Jesus was that of treason, Remember, that's what the Jewish leaders said. First, they said it was blasphemy to themselves because he claims to be God, he claims to be Messiah. But then they changed it when they went to Pilate because Pilate didn't care about their silly religious games. So they said that he claims to be a king, which means treason. And they said that he claims that he's the king of the Jews. Now, the soldiers mocked him and ridiculed this claim of kingship. Why? Two reasons. Out of a sense of loyalty to their king, Caesar and also out of a hatred for the Jewish people. You see, the Jewish people kept wanting to have their own king. They wanted independence from Rome. And so here Jesus comes along as a Jewish man, and he claims to be the king. And these soldiers, who may not have had anything personal against Jesus, despised all Jewish hopes for a king of their own, and they took this occasion to vent their malice on this Jewish man, who dared to say he was the king of the Jews. In reality, Jesus simply represented the Jewish people, who they despised. And why did they despise? Well, not only because of loyalty to Rome, but also because Pontius Pilate despised the Jewish people, and so they were just following their leader. They used this opportunity to express their deep-seated anti-Jewish 
feelings, prejudice. Now, what's the modern parallel? In a similar way, people today reject Christ, not because they personally despise him, though they do hate him, but it's not personal. But they have, their hatred against, uh, against Christianity is really directed at those who represent Christ. Christians. Christians. Their prejudice towards Christians keeps them from seeing this, uh, a clear picture of who Jesus Christ really is. Let me explain. Sometimes they hate Christ and they hate Christianity because of the way a Christian has mistreated them. Now listen. This is where it gets extremely practical. If you're a Christian businessman who has cheated them, then understand that you don't simply represent your business. If it were just that simple, it would be easy. You represent not only Jesus Christ, you represent all of us. The world looks at you, and if you're a Christian businessman who has cheated them and has not been ethical then they conclude, right or wrong, they conclude that's the way Christianity really is, huh? If you are a Christian customer who is rude and impatient to somebody in a store, perhaps, or in a restaurant, then understand that you represent Jesus Christ and you represent all Christians and the person who you were rude to may very well conclude, so that's the way they are, huh? I suppose that's what Christianity teaches them. I have no need for that. It teaches you to be rude. Or, if you are a Christian relative of someone who is insensitive to them, they'll make that same conclusion. Or a Christian friend who let them down, they'll make that same conclusion. So so be very careful. When you leave these doors, you are being sent out in the mission field. And you represent Jesus Christ. And you are the only Jesus Christ that many people will see. Now, I want, I want you to see something in Romans chapter 2, because Paul addresses this, but in an Old Testament context, how the Jewish people failed to live out the reality of their faith and how the Gentiles responded. Today it's reversed. Paul says in verse 17 of Romans chapter 2, And he's addressing the Jewish people now. He's saying, you're guilty before a holy God, just as the pagans are guilty. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he says, but if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God, and that's what they were doing, they said, oh, we're Jews. We have the law. We are in covenant with God. And you know his will, verse 18, and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law. That is, you know the truth. You have it written down for you. And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, the light to those who are in darkness. That's what they said. We'll teach you the truth about God. You're like blind people. We'll lead you into the light. What an arrogant attitude in light of their behavior. A corrector, verse 20, of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law an embodiment of knowledge and of the truth. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one should not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? And watch this, verse 24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. 
In other words, by their behavior, the Gentile world looked at them and said, if this is the way that this God's people live without obeying him, then we're not interested in hearing about their God. If they treat their God this way, then what kind of a God is it? If they're not that devoted, they're just hypocrites. We don't want anything to do with this God. We're quite satisfied with our own gods. Now, just as the Jewish people in, in, in Old Testament times blasphemed God's name among the Gentiles because of hypocritical behavior, if you are a hypocrite and you are insensitive and, and unethical and rude and impatient and uh, have, have the wrong response to those around you who are not believers, then we do the same thing today. We blaspheme the name of God amongst them. Why should they be interested in our Christ if we behave this way? Now, I'm not saying that's a valid excuse. I'm just saying that's reality. They won't be able to stand before God and say, well, you know, this person was such a hypocrite, that's why I didn't believe. Uh, No, that won't be valid. But I am saying that woe to you if you're the one who, because of your behavior, just uh, uh, keeps them that much more confused about the truth. What are we to do? First Peter tells us, now Peter was writing to a persecuted people, and here's what he said, and this is why this, is, this just fits in so well here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, he says. That's to the church. He says you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once it was Israel. Now it's the church. God has temporarily placed Israel aside in his program. After the church is raptured, Israel will be placed back in the center and and we'll be out of here. But we who are not a people have become a people. Beloved, he writes, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Make sure that you behave properly. Why? So that in the things which they slander you as evildoers, they say nasty things about you. They claim that you're horrible. They slander you. They may on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. That is to say, they slander you now, But they'll observe you, and if you behave in a godly manner, some of them will look at that and say, well, then I want to be saved. I want to know the God that transformed their character, and it says that that they will glorify God in the day of visitation. That is to say that they will give God glory when he returns, because they'll, they'll have been saved as a result, partly, of your good witness to them and your lifestyle. Now, you've got to verbalize things, too. So they'll know why you have a changed lifestyle. But the point is, you have been saved to be a light to unbelievers, to show by your behavior the truths of Jesus Christ. What you do is more important in terms of eternity than trivial little things about business dealings. Think about eternity in mind. Don't ever give them cause to continue rejecting Jesus because of your improper behavior or attitude. And I might add, you never know when somebody is watching. You never know. Little things count. Now, for the past four weeks, we have looked at four groups of people and the reasons that they rejected Jesus Christ. And we've seen the modern parallel. We've seen the religious leaders envy, religious hypocrisy, 
We've seen Pontius Pilate, fear, cowardice, self-interest. We've seen the crowd of, of Hebrew people, disappointed with Christ. They wanted a different kind of Messiah. And there were pressure from the leaders. And today we've seen the soldiers, blind ignorance, conditioned by their culture, and they were prejudiced. So the question is, who really killed Jesus? Who really did it? Who was responsible for the death of Jesus Christ? Was it the Jewish leaders? Was it Pilate? Was it the multitude or was it the Roman soldiers? Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue teaching from Mark chapter 15 on our next Verse by Verse. These daily radio Bible classes are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry supported by our listeners. Look us up on the web at versebyverseradio.org. You can order a CD or cassette copy of this message by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number and we will return your call during regular business hours.